You're listening to Jim and Mike Talk. Recording at the, did you say, Seven Studios in beautiful Washington, New Jersey. Hey everybody, this is Tom Velasquez, host of the Paranormal Patriot Podcast. If you like the paranormal, supernatural, conspiracies, spirituality, or even politics, do yourself a favor and tune in to my show every week, The Paranormal Patriot. It can be found on Spotify, it can be found on Google Play and our host site, Podbean. Again, if you like the paranormal, spirituality, supernatural, conspiracies, or politics, do yourself a favor and listen to my show, The Paranormal Patriot. Now, let's get to what you were really looking forward to, Jim and Mike Talk. Take it away, Jim and Mike. Hey everybody, this is Jim. Hey, and this is Mike. And we're on show number 10. Uh, Today's show, our main topic is Seinfeld. And at Seinfeld, we're looking at our top Top favorite five five episodes. Yeah. Yeah. But we're going to start off with a new segment, which we're calling... Odd Songs. These are songs, you know, they can be years old, decades old, but it leaves you wondering, what were they thinking? I mean, really odd songs. So this is a song. This goes back to 1971. Uh, It went up the charts uh, to number 17. Mm -hmm. Pretty far. Yeah. For an odd song. And both of us uh, remember this song because of the subject matter. I don't know if it would, you think it would get played today? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it would, yeah. I mean, there's no no curse words or no. It's just, the the funny thing about this song is it's, it's very upbeat. Right. So it's, it kind of reminds me, and this was before Weird Al, but right. when Weird Al does a, you know, a weird, mm-hmm. no pun intended, song that sounds like a ballad, but the lyrics are so odd. Take, yeah. 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 And there's Dr. Demento and such, but that's, that's yeah. not in the same vein. The, the name is Timothy. Yeah. The song is Timothy. Mm-hmm. And it was by a band called The Boys. Spelled B-U-O-Y-S. The boys. The lead singer was a Mr. Bill Kelly, Mm -hmm. and we'll get to him in a little bit. Shout out to Bill. And this song was written by Rupert Holmes. Familiar Um, name in the music industry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He wrote the, um, I like to call it, and a lot of people call it the Pina Colada song. Yes. It's really called Escape. Escape, yes. Yeah, if you like Pina Coladas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, Rupert, he was just 20 years old. And he had been in the record business for about a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he discovered uh, the boys, and Rupert had a tie-in with this record company called Scepter Records. And uh, he had a friend. His friend was a junior engineer at the record company. Cool. Rupert convinced the record company, get this, to sign them to a one-single contract. Like, who does that? Not a one-album, but a one-single contract. Mm-hmm. Now... This deal did not call for the record company to promote the single. Mm -hmm. So the band would have to find some other way to get themselves and their song known. Right. So the goal of this was to create a song that would get, um, you know, maybe radio play, but also um, maybe it would be so controversial. Mm -hmm. People would be talking about the boys 
and the record company would then sign them onto a larger, more lucrative contract. Right. And when you're in a band, and uh, Jim, you had a band uh, way back when you were in, uh, I've been in a couple bands, you know, you do want to try to find an, your niche and you want to try to find something special to, to get out there. So that's what they're looking for. And, and the one song contract is quite unusual. So um, this comes from, uh, I think it's a website, it's called Song Facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rupert Holmes says, at the time I was working on an arrangement of 16 tons, the Tennessee Ernie Ford hit from the 50s, Mm -hmm. and while working on the arrangement, there was a cooking show on the TV in the kitchen, and it was called The Galloping Gourmet. Yeah, I recognize that. Mm -hmm. So the show's on in the background, and he's singing the lyrics to 16 tons, and they go, they start out, some people say a man is made of mud, made out of mud, a coal man's made out of muscle and blood. Muscle and blood and skin and bones. Yeah, and see, so you say a coal man. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that, that goes into what we're talking about here. We're talking about a coal mine. Yeah, so he got mm-hmm. this idea. He, he said, this is kind of weird and funny, or odd, but mm-hmm. that's why it's odd songs. <laughs> it's funny, strange, he, he not said, funny, yeah. aha, SNL would say. <laughs> he says, I think, you know, that almost sounds like a recipe. That's what he's thinking. <laughs> Muscle and blood and skin and bones. Bake in a moderate oven for two hours and top with Miracle Whip. Uh, like a recipe, yes. So he had also seen this movie suddenly last summer, about a week earlier. It had a revelation about cannibalism in it. Hmm. And he thought, if it's good for Tennessee Williams, it's good enough for the boys. So he was thinking cannibalism during a mining disaster. Hmm. Now that sounds like a hit song. Yeah. Actually he thought, that'll get banned. Uh, this is probably before the films with the plane disasters and the cannibalism. I think it's just a little bit yeah. before that. Yeah. He said, it's not like I'm really telling people to go out and eat someone. This is just dark, <laughs> horrible thing that happened in this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rupert Holmes wrote the song. When it was released, some little radio stations played it and kids would hear it and figure out what it was about. Mm-hmm. So they would call and request the song and surprised by the phone response, um... The radio stations would then eventually listen to the song and Mm -hmm. figure out what it was about. Right. So let me just give some lyrics because I don't think we've done that yet. So it starts out trapped in a mine that had caved in and everyone knows the only ones left were Joe and me and Tim. So it's a a mining accident and you got Joe and Tim, Timothy that is. And the person who's telling the story. The, The chorus goes over, Timothy, Timothy, where on earth did you go? Timothy. Well, why don't God, we, why don't I know? Why don't we play a little bit of it? Well, sure, if we can do that. Yeah. We'll start with the beginning and we'll go into the chorus and then we'll, we'll be right back. All right, here it is. Okay, so that was, you can hear that was um, upbeat. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're not really listening. Mm-hmm. And I think they were um, going for a Credence Clearwater revival sound. <laughs> that's what Possibly. I've been, that's oh, what okay. I've been well, told. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the song was um, moving up the charts, and they said, uh, now they have a problem because now they're getting up towards the top 20. Mm-hmm. And they know there are some big stations that are simply not going to play this record. Um, WABC, the biggest station at the time, never played the song. Wow. Scepter Records started a rumor, this is interesting, that Timothy was a mule to try and get the taint of cannibalism out of the picture and try to make it a top 10 record. Right. So maybe Timothy was a mule. And and where where is Timothy? Yeah. Yeah. So someone called uh, Rupert Holmes. Mm -hmm. They got his number somehow. Mm -hmm. And they said, was Timothy a mule? You wrote it. And I said, no, what can I tell you? They ate him. There so that's it is. What said. It's pretty clear. We're going to, we'll play a little bit more of Timothy. Actually, we'll, what we'll do is we'll play the, the end, towards the end of the song. Okay. So you can see, we'll do that now? See how it ends, yes. All right, well, here it is. Okay, they don't know what happened to Timothy. Yeah, no one knows. They never yeah. found him. They were so delirious, mm-hmm. and then they ate him, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I had the pleasure of talking to Bill Kelly uh, a couple of days ago. Lead actually, singer yesterday. of the boys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, yesterday I talked to Bill. Mm-hmm. I told him we were going to be talking about this song, and uh, he called me. He Thanks, was, Bill. Thanks for getting back. And he was so kind as to record this segment for us and this is bill talking about when they were uh, starting to put together the song for timothy and here's bill hey there this is bill kelly from the boys um a while ago we had a hit record called timothy and i was the lead singer on that song and i thought i'd like to tell you a little bit about how that song came to be the boys my band back then we were in new york city and we were working for a a, uh, record label called Scepter Records. It was our first record deal. And uh, we were in the studio, and we had uh, a lot of original music that we were writing and recording and just kind of looking for that hit. And uh, we couldn't really find anything that we thought was that great that could be a, a, a hit single. So we called in a friend, a guy named Rupert Holmes, that you might remember as the Pina Colada guy. But we knew Rupert back before he was Rupert, 
And uh, anyway, we would sit down uh, each day. We'd spend a couple of hours just sitting down at the piano and um, playing some different ideas and working through some ideas and and uh, just trying to find something that clicked that had what we thought was a little bit of magic and um, weren't real successful. But at one point, Rupert played this song for us and he played it like it was a funeral march. You know, it was like really slow and boring, but we got through the middle of the song and we start to realize what the song was about. And we all cracked up, fell on the floor and just came up and said, well, I don't know what we'll do with it, but we need to record this song. So we did. And it took a while because we had some technical difficulty with my guitar and, um, a little quick aside here, the final take on that thing, I was playing a Gretsch country gentleman and I kept breaking strings, trying to play that that rhythm. And every time I'd break the strings, the tune would go, the guitar would go out of tune. And it took a long time, and it was beginning to be a pain. So we ended up cutting that last track with Rupert Holmes and a pair of headsets on. Rupert retuning my E string as I was playing the guitar, because as I was playing the guitar, it would start to slip out of tune, and Rupert. Would uh, would bring it back into tune, and that's how we finally got that that take. But the song was uh, it just it just sat there for a little bit. We forgot about it, put it on the shelf, and it was some months later that we decided to put horns and strings on it. And when we did, it really came seemed to pop, and we thought, well, okay, maybe this is this is the one. The uh, record label loved it, and that's always important. And um, the song broke out of two radio stations, uh, WEAM in uh, Washington, D.C., and WKBW in Buffalo, New York. And those two stations really kicked the song off, and it went on to sell a million and a half copies and put us on the road on touring with everybody from Eric Clapton to um, uh, Bob Seger. And uh, it was just, it was the start of my career, and it's Quite a long time later, and I'm still making music and loving music, uh, working with a young lady named Jennifer Kane for a, a, a Christian uh, recording artist. We are called Kane and Kelly. You will check that out. But it all started with a little song called Timothy way back when, and uh, very happy, and I always love it when people come up to me and say, man, man, would you do Timothy? Do Timothy for us, man. It's very cool. Well, I hope you enjoyed that little story. And uh, you guys take care. Jim, Mike, good luck with your podcast. And uh, hope to meet you someday. Take care. I want to thank Bill for getting back to Jim and for giving us an audio segment and a firsthand description of yeah. uh, the writing of all thank that. Thank you, Bill. Um, when you talk with Bill, uh, he's still performing. Yes. He is with... Kane and Kelly. Mm -hmm. Kane and Kelly. Kelly being his it's, last name. It's a uh, Christian, uh, we can say, maybe say country. Uh, there are some songs that sound like country. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and gospel, Christian gospel country is yeah. uh, what it's labeled. And so they're an acoustic duo. Yes. Two voices, two guitars is what I'm hearing. Got a little bit of percussion back in there. Really good sounding. Um, Bill's voice, I like Bill's voice. He, really good sounding. And uh, they they were um, they were on the charts of... of they were on the country. Um, they were on the Christian country charts. So that that's what Bill's been up to. And uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, like Bill said, we'll get to maybe meet him. Uh, he does live in Tennessee. So mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Well, that's our segment of odd songs, and we'll continue that uh, probably every other 
uh, show or so. Yeah. Looking for some other new songs. Okay. New odd songs. And now on to our main topic. The main event. Here it is. Enjoy. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the main event here. Uh, Jim. We are going to talk about Seinfeld. And yeah. Now, this this is one of my favorite shows. I've got two uh, TV shows that I really like. Uh, the Honeymooners, which is a really old show, and Seinfeld. They're right up there, number one. I don't know how you... Seinfeld has to be... Yeah, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, Jim, I was out of the country, mm-hmm. and uh, I come back from Hong Kong, and you're like, you got to see this show. The 90s. You, you got to see this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it's uh, amazing. Yeah, I didn't start watching it until, um, this is the thing, the uh, first episode was a pilot, mm-hmm. and that was in 1989, and then it um, came Back the next year, they they included, I guess, the pilot as the first episode. But mm-hmm. but I remember uh, taping these on VHS. Wow! And I remember um, having not missed a show, yeah. like the original mm-hmm. air date, right? Um, except for one. And my wife and I were in Las Vegas on our honeymoon, mm-hmm. and we were probably you know out and about that night. Yeah, and I didn't get to see. And I might not have seen, I don't know what show it was. I could probably look it up, but um, I must have had to wait or not see that show until it was in syndication. Wow. That episode. That Unless, one, your honeymoon uh, one that you missed. Yeah, I'm not yeah, sure yeah. if they um, replayed some of the shows. Maybe they did, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so... Now well, we're you, going... know, you know, those who are listening probably know the, the four main characters already. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to review that or not. But... Yeah, we have, uh, okay. of course, Jerry Seinfeld. He was mm-hmm. the creator of the show. Mm-hmm. He created it with uh, Larry David, um, who people probably still know because uh, yeah, well known. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. I always want to say Louise, but yeah. it's Louis. Jason Alexander, mm-hmm. George, and Michael Richards. It's Kramer. Mm-hmm. Now, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, she went on to um, a show, I think it was on HBO, called Veep. Okay. And she won some awards for that show. So, mm-hmm. so she had a good career after Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of these people don't need to work anymore. Right. <laughs> uh, Jerry Seinfeld is worth uh, about $800 million. Wow. Larry David's worth $600 million. Wow. Yeah, so... And Larry David, for those who don't know, uh, you also can see him make his guest appearances on SNL. Yeah. As Bernie. As Bernie yeah. Sanders. Hey, that's a great Bernie. You can't yeah. look at that without laughing. So the guy who plays Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. on SNL yeah. uh, was one of the writers on Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote for about the first six or seven seasons. He did leave the show towards mm-hmm. the end. Now, it's very interesting that after two years... Uh, I think they were working with NBC then. Uh, even at just two years, Larry David says to Jerry Seinfeld, let's not renew the contract. I don't think I have any more stories to tell. Yeah. And Jerry went ahead and said, no, we're, we're moving well, forward. That was after, I think, the first season. Okay. I thought it was after two. But yeah, Which, okay. it's yeah. early on. And, and, you know, it's just interesting to not have, you know, maybe after 10 years, you run out of, you know, they, they were run, after nine years, uh, yeah. they're running out of stories to tell. But um, I thought that part was interesting. 
so originally it was called the Seinfeld Chronicles, yes. and I never knew that. That was something okay. uh, you know new from this reading here, mm-hmm. because just one word, Seinfeld, does say it all. And it just makes yeah. me laugh to think of the Seinfeld Chronicles. Hey, have you watched the Seinfeld Chronicles last night? Yeah. It's just, it's just kind of strange. So the show uh, is known for specific episodes. Some really made it into into the culture of today. Uh, the Chinese restaurant mm-hmm. filmed only in the lobby of a Chinese restaurant the whole half hour. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the parking garage, same thing. It said that. This was the only show that was not filmed before a live audience. They're in a parking yes. garage. Yeah. Yeah. So it must have been a different feel for the comedic yeah. uh, flow, you know, being in a parking garage. Mm-hmm. And the thing, uh, they they filmed on a soundstage. Mm-hmm. And even the scenes where you think they're walking down the street, yeah. supposedly it, it was a New York City soundstage. Amazing. Which I didn't, I didn't know. I thought maybe they filmed some out. Yeah. Yeah. Outside stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's somewhere they're out on, you know, if they're driving the car, I guess, I don't know how they, I don't know how big the soundstage is. I don't know, I but guess. the cars, when they're yeah. in the cars, it does kind of look yeah. the fake And how they car would change the buildings. Mm-hmm. I think the exterior shots were actual buildings, because mm-hmm. I know um, the diner is Tom's Diner mm-hmm. in New York. Right. Which uh, was made famous by um, Suzanne Vega, mm-hmm. Tom's Diner. I That's love the it. diner I love talking it. about. And it's many edits. Mm-hmm. So if you've seen this show, Seinfeld, you'll know it's the show described as a show about nothing. And people say that all the time, right? So in 2014, Seinfeld stated that the pitch for the show, the real pitch, when Larry and I went to NBC in 1988, was we want to show how a comedian gets his material. Mm-hmm. Being Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. And the show about nothing was just a joke in an episode many years later. And Larry and I to this day are surprised that it caught on as a way that people describe the show. Because to us, it's the opposite of that. That's interesting. And we're going to go over our top five, uh, or our five favorite, I should say, episodes. And I really went into them deep, but I'm, I'm going to kind of skim over it a little bit. But I did notice there is a lot going on in the episodes. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to have a certain kind of humor to love the show. I have uh, friends in Virginia. I'm thinking of two people in particular who hate it. And so I think if you hate it, you don't enjoy what it is presenting. And that is the uh, irony, incongruity, and often sometimes unfortunate coincidences that happen in our lives. And so to, to examine and make fun of the mundane in your life, that's what the show's doing. Yeah. And so... Without that, uh, I think it's the same people that maybe don't like satire, uh, will, you know, don't actually like the show. Uh, something else about the show here, it's, um, it, it says that it uh, offers no growth or reconciliation among its characters. It eschews sentimentality. So you don't, mm-hmm. see, the, you don't see the characters learn from their no, mistakes. No, And you don't see them grow. And they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're not really nice people. Right. I mean... <laughs> Well, George, everything bothers him. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's neurotic. Mm-hmm. They and, don't, they don't really, yeah, learn from their consequences. I, right. I think. And I think Elaine and Kramer and George, they're all hyped up. You know, yeah. they're all kind of on yeah. caffeine or, or something else. Because I'm like ice, buddy. When I don't like you, you got problems. Where Jerry's just the straight yeah. man, just you know. Uh, it also says uh, in some of this material I found, it says they had a no hugging, no learning rule. 
Oh, really? Yeah. So you're not going to learn anything mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, no hugging and, oh, I love you. And you know, uh -huh. yeah. yeah, you don't see that. You don't see that, that, that growth in their characters. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely, uh, I can see that in Larry David all the way. So this is something um, I didn't know. There was an episode that was written for season two called The Bet, in which Elaine buys a gun for Kr from Kramer's friend. Wow. This episode wasn't filmed because the content was deemed unacceptable and was replaced by the episode, The Phone Message. Um, was it just about a gun? Is it the gun itself? You know, being in New York City, uh, you know, the 80s, the 80s uh, was a, a huge period of cutting down on crime in New York City. Yeah. And it was dangerous to be in New York City in the 70s and early 80s. And I'm just wondering in the 90s, maybe they're sensitive to that. It's real, really possible. Now, I have to mention as well, when I mentioned two other well-known episodes, I don't know whether I should mention it or not, because Jim, maybe it's one of your favorites and maybe you're going to talk about it, but I want to mention it here. Okay. And that's the contest. Okay. There's no bell. <laughs> no bell. Okay. Okay. So uh, the contest, uh, yeah, they were able to have a whole contest and talk throughout the whole show and not actually mention a word. And I'm not even going to say the word here, which is, uh, you know, mm -hmm. giving yourself pleasure. Yeah. So that's the contest. A lot of people know about that episode. So there were some other actors that were considered for the parts of the main characters. Wow, the four main characters. Yeah. Elaine, they were looking at Megan Mullally. I don't, I don't know if know she's now. on Will and Grace. Okay. She's right. got a high-pitched voice. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, Rosie O'Donnell tried out for the part. Mm. Wow. Okay. But Jerry said it was decided she wasn't right for the role. Now, this is from a, a 2017 interview with Howard, Howard Stern. Mm -hmm. So, Howard Stern threw out some names who were almost cast as George, Paul Schaefer, <laughs> Danny DeVito, uh -huh. Steve Buscemi, and David Alan Greer, wow. who, who was on In Living Color. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Jerry said he didn't recall any of them being strongly considered for the role, but it's possible they could have auditioned. Yeah, I just can't see uh, uh, George being anyone else. That's for sure. Now, on Howard Stern, this, this is actually two years before this. Mm -hmm. Maybe why Howard included Steve Buscemi, or maybe he's just throwing out names. But when he asked um, Jason Alexander... He said Chris Rock, Larry Miller, Brad Hall, and Nathan Lane. Uh, when asked about Steve Buscemi, he said, Buscemi, I had heard he auditioned. Huh. Now, this is Steve Buscemi. I never auditioned, he said on The Tonight Show on Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, he would know, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that came from, but it's been on my Wikipedia, IMDb. But I never did, and I don't know how to correct it because I don't know how the internet works. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how the internet works. <laughs> Just hilarious. At one point um, in the Howard Stern interview with Jerry Seinfeld, he suggests Andy Kaufman would wow. have fit well. Yeah, yeah. And Jerry says, you know, it's funny that you say that because Michael Richards is one of those parts where you could never cast somebody else. But now that you mention it, Andy would have pulled off Kramer. Mm -hmm. He is the only other name I've ever heard, now that you mention it, the only other guy who could have pulled off Kramer. Mm -hmm. And um, one last thing is that um, before we get into our 
five. We'll call it five favorites, I guess. Yeah. Chris Rock uh, convinced Jerry not to retire from stand-up comedy. Now, he didn't convince him uh, solely by a conversation or anything, but Jerry had gone to one of his comedy shows, and he said he, he laughed the entire show, and he started having second thoughts mm -hmm. about staying retired. Yeah. So that's kind of what brought him out of retirement. Yeah. Wow. Also, what, another one last thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Jerry was offered $100 million to do a 10th season. Um, he, but <laughs> that he, is so much money. Yeah. 100,000. I mean, 100 million. But 100 million. 100 million. Mm -hmm. And it was the highest, you know, it was the highest paid at the time. Oh, well, yeah. And he turned it down because he, he thought the show, I guess, had done its run and mm -hmm. he wanted to go out maybe on a high note. Yeah. Okay. So, Jim, why don't you start us off with uh, one of your faves? Okay. Yeah. I have these numbered, but they're not in any order. Yeah, right. Because uh, if you think about it, there's 180 episodes. Yeah, 180 to choose from. We're just doing yeah. five each today. So these are mainly ones that stood out to me. Because mm -hmm. there are, I'm sure, some that I don't remember uh, a lot of, mm -hmm. you know, what happened in the episode. Right, right. Because they were all called The. But this is one of my favorites, the Merv Griffin set. Cool. Okay. This yeah. is season, this is actually season nine. Wow. So if you think the writing uh, went downhill after Larry David left, there's still some great shows that were written, you know, till the end. Right, uh, right. This was episode six. So the show starts out with Jerry and um, Kramer walking down the street. Mm -hmm. Now there's no now some of the shows. Uh, I don't know when it started, but they stopped doing the monologue. Right, early, in the beginning. pretty early on. I mean, a few seasons in. What's yeah. strange mm -hmm. is they there were shows. Where there was monologue in the beginning, and there was no monologue at the end. Mm -hmm. The first seasons had the monologue in the beginning and the end. And some pieces in between. They received yeah. a couple. Mm -hmm. And then they did away with the monologue completely. Mm -hmm. No monologue. And it just started like a little um, precursor, and then mm -hmm. the, um, you know, the, cre the credits. So this, in this episode, uh, Jerry and Kramer, they're walking down the street, and of course they're having an odd conversation. Mm -hmm. um, about uh, Cain and Abel, <laughs> and and Jerry's talking about Kramer um, breaking his blender because mm -hmm. um, he was trying to make gravel. So you know these. <laughs> Can I borrow your blender? I need to make gravel out of rock. So I've watched these episodes over and over, but you know when you mm -hmm. really study them, it's like there's you notice some things that maybe you didn't notice before. Right, right. Kramer finds the old Merv Griffin. Set, set yeah in, right. in a dumpster yeah and he has to have it right yeah and i love the quotes from these episodes too because mm -hmm. kramer says one minute elliot gold is sitting on you and the next thing you're yesterday's trash you know? <laughs> he sets it up in his apartment yeah he yeah, sets right. it up yeah. a lot of the seinfeld episode there's different things um going on with different characters but they all what i like is they all come together mm -hmm. now george is driving he hits a pigeon <laughs> Now the other the other part of this besides the Merv Griffin set is Jerry his girlfriend um, Celia mm -hmm. uh, he's at her house and he notices her toy collection he's obsessed right. with it right I remember this okay. one okay mm -hmm. and uh, she's got all the and I think they were her father's mm -hmm. and he's just obsessed with the toys and then we got Elaine this is uh, the other uh, and there's a new guy Lou. 
he just who just appears out of nowhere. Um, he's he's they call him a sidler. <laughs> She'll turn around and he's just there. Yeah, by and, her side. Yeah, we're at the diner. George tells Jerry that he hit some pigeons, and he says, "Don't we have a deal with the pigeons?" And Jerry says, "Of course we have a deal." They get out of the way of our cars, and we look the other way on the statue defecation. <laughs> uh, now, um, so Kramer sets up this uh, Merv Griffin set in his apartment. Mm-hmm. There's a there's the curtains, like he's got the he- right. this blue sparkling curtain. So when you walk in the apartment, <laughs> you're on. Yeah, yeah. Kramer's sitting there. And speaking of on, Kramer is completely on. He is yeah. so in the zone and so into hosting. Right? He's the host. Yeah. Yeah. So Jerry, you know, Jerry gets a phone call and Kramer goes, Jerry, we'd love to have you back anytime. You know, anyway. <laughs> so George has this problem with the pigeons. He he eventually hits a squirrel wow. and which he has to take to the um, the vet. Mm-hmm. So George takes the squirrel to the vet and uh, his girlfriend says, doctor, is the squirrel going to live? And doctor says, there's been massive trauma. We could, of course, try to save him, but it would be costly, difficult, and we'd have to send away for some really tiny instruments. <laughs> <laughs> and then George asked, George asked how much it would cost to have the squirrel put this sleep, and he said, the doctor says it's by the pound, and it would be 80 cents. <laughs> but his girlfriend doesn't <laughs> do that, because they're tiny creatures. 80 you know? cents. Yeah. <laughs> it's not much anesthesia uh you know for the squirrel oh so this is the other thing um jerry's at his girlfriend's apartment right so she says she has a headache he goes mm-hmm. into the bathroom and he finds medication right and the first one says may make you drowsy the next one says will make you drowsy mm-hmm. so he basically puts her to sleep so he can play with the toys <laughs> right the next time at the apartment this is what I like about it. It progresses to George is there. Mm-hmm. Oh, George, George and um, Jerry are there and they're eating turkey. Yeah. You know, and she's asking is there's something in this that makes you sleep, right? And there's a big box of wine. They're yeah, like pouring yeah. wine for Turkey, wine. What else yeah. do you want? Yeah. And I think that's the one. Um, oh, and then eventually Elaine. And Elaine's playing with the Easy Bake Oven. And in the background is Jerry's girlfriend with her head back at the table, just passed out <laughs> so they can play with the toys. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is a really good one. And it ends with, um, eventually, um, Kramer decides they need to, they need to up the show. He actually believes this is a talk show. So he, yeah. he gets a guest to come on mm-hmm. and it's some animal expert. So, <laughs> and you're trying yeah. to picture that the Merv Griffin set fitting into a New York, uh, Manhattan apartment. Yeah, at yeah, one I mean, point, I mean, you know exactly how much can you fit in. Yeah, there. at one point, Jerry asks him where he's going to sleep, and he he says, "Uh, backstage." You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. So, uh, we're going to do a little trivia. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. Hit me, hit me, Jim. So when Jerry first goes over to his girlfriend's apartment, what toy does he grab after saying Super Bowl? He sees this toy and he goes, Super Bowl. I don't remember him saying Super Bowl, but I yeah. do remember he went and he, he of course, picked out a toy or yeah. two. That, um, the first thing I think of is Superman. Oh, I have a, oh, here's a multiple choice. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. A, an Etch-A-Sketch. B, a G.I. Joe doll. C, a Mr. Potato Head. Or D, a Gumby. But he says Super Bowl? Well, he says Super, like he won the Super Bowl. 
Oh, Super okay. Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um, I'm going to go with G.I. Joe. You were right. Yes. All right, so Jim, uh, one of my favorites and possibly my favorite of all time, one of the five, mm-hmm. uh, you have in the cafe, Tom's Diner, you have Jerry and Elaine and George. And George decides that his life is a mess, nothing's going right, mm-hmm. and he's going to do the opposite. Uh, yeah. The opposite. Great opening scene just right away. Elaine says this, that woman at the counter is looking at him, and he says, well, uh, well, before that, though, yeah, before that, mm-hmm. we have, he is going to do the opposite. So he, um, he orders a different sandwich. He starts out uh-huh. with a different sandwich. <laughs> and Jim, I'm going to start out with a trivia here on okay. the opposite. What kind of sandwich did George order that was the opposite of his usual? You get your choices here. Okay. Was it tuna on toast, hot ham and cheese, chicken salad on rye, or Reuben on wheat? Chicken salad on rice. That's right. Ding, ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding. I was just guessing. Yeah, well, you got it. You got it. Um, so, uh, because you remember that uh, uh, Jerry was saying that, uh, you know, tuna is not the opposite of chicken and, uh-huh. you know, salmon is because they swim up <laughs> yeah. or downstream. Um, so, George goes over and says to the woman at the counter, uh, I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. And uh, she sees that as a, as a turn on. Mm-hmm. He, there's many quotes, and there's a lot going on uh, on this one here. Jerry says, if every sti- instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. He says, uh, then I guess your Messiah would be the Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I love that. Uh, this episode is great. Of course, George is doing the opposite. He goes in uh, to get uh, hired where George Steinbrenner. Oh, yeah. Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he's in an interview and just speaks his mind, and it's really outrageous. And then he meets Mr. George Steinbrenner, mm-hmm. who uh, is it's actually the uh, voice of Larry David. Yes. Yeah. And um, you knew that. Mm-hmm. So now is this the first? Is this the first episode where George is working? Uh, it'd have to be because he's getting yeah he's getting okay. hired here yeah. yeah so this is how he gets hired by speaking his mind and just slams the Yankees just slams George Steinbrenner oh, okay. and he just says three wo- three words hire this man <laughs> just hire this man mm-hmm. but uh, Jim what I really love about this episode is there's really other important ones this is the coffee table book that Kramer is oh, writing yeah. yeah it's that episode. He gets on Regis and Kathy Lee. Uh, of course, uh, he spits coffee over everybody. <laughs> you remember that. Um, and it is a coffee table book. That turns into a coffee table. Yes. It's it coffee. folds up. Mm-hmm. It's a coffee table book about coffee tables. Yeah. <laughs> and it folds up and into... And it gets big, too. Yes, it's a large book. Yeah. And folds up into a coffee table. Yeah. Um, this is also the episode where Elaine is waiting for her boyfriend at the movies. Mm-hmm. Here she's in a terrible car accident. So what does she do? She stops and gets some juju fruits. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So she's there at his bed, and he's all messed up from the car accident. And he's like, where'd you get those? And, she, and, and he, he just slams her, probably breaks up with her, because she went ahead and got not only juju fruits, but popcorn. Yeah. And then came and saw him, mm-hmm. which I don't think is a great offense. You know, actually, I, I would probably do that as well, because, you know, they're not dying. He's not going anywhere. No, they're not going anywhere. They're not yeah. dying. Yeah. Maybe you could share them. But, uh, and then uh, also, you know, everybody has a storyline. This is one where Jerry is even Steven. No matter what he does, it always comes back <laughs> and evens out. So mm-hmm. he's even Steven with that. Um, so, yeah, I just love the opposite. And with 
with all these four storylines in this one are, are great. Mm-hmm. Okay, my next one is The Doll. No, no buzzer on that one. No Season zinger on that. seven, episode uh-huh. 16. The Doll. <clears throat> so this starts out, um, Seinfeld, he's in Memphis at the Friars Club, and he mm-hmm. runs into this woman named Sally Weaver, mm-hmm. played by Kathy Griffin, <laughs> cool. when, she, when she was funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she, she was on more than one Seinfeld episode. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to be a trivia question, but I'm, I, I noticed something behind Jerry, and it's a poster for a concert. And there's three bands listed on mm-hmm. it. Right. The headliner is Girls Bones Found. Wow. And another Little Monster and Pumping Ethel. <laughs> E-T-H-Y-L. Yeah. Like yeah, uh, that's, pumping gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So that was interesting. Yeah, uh, interesting. So um, Sally gives Jerry uh, a wedding present for George and Susan. Mm-hmm. So remember, they were engaged. Yes, I, I saw an yeah. episode with Susan on it recently. So Jerry's yeah. got to carry this package uh, on the plane. Mm-hmm. It's it's huge, right? Mm-hmm. And he also has um, barbecue sauce he bought uh, because he's going on the Charles Grodin show. Mm-hmm. And because he found the barbecue sauce that that has a guy on the label that looks like Charles Grodin. Mm-hmm. Well, when he's on the plane, the stewardess comes over to him and... Wants to put his bag up in the um, storage, yeah, you know, overhead, unit. and you can hear the bottles. You can hear something smash. Mm-hmm. Then the next scene is the diner, and George is um, talking to his father, mm-hmm. Jerry Stiller, mm-hmm. who is always hilarious. Yes, and we find out that he was born in Tuscany, mm-hmm. and he goes on about that he could never be president, <laughs> um, right? And so then the other character in this is the maestro. He was in another episode, and I think it was called The Maestro. Mm-hmm. Elaine is at the diner, too, and she um, says that she she ruined um, a photo. The, the running joke is there's a photo of the three tenors, mm-hmm. and they can only remember two of the guy's names. Okay. But not the, thir- the other guy they keep calling him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jerry has an opportunity because somehow the other guy is going to be on the Charles Grodin show that he's going to be mm-hmm. on. She she gets a poster, so she wants to get it signed because that's the Meister's favorite tenor, the other guy. The other guy. Yeah. I know it's Luciano Pravarati, mm-hmm. Placido, Placico Domingo. Yeah, yeah, Placico Domingo. And the other guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can't name the other guy. No, no, I, I don't. Know. Okay. <laughs> so then we're in the apartment. Kramer tries to salvage the uh, barbecue sauce. You know, Jerry asks him what he's doing. Uh, I don't know. There's some we- weird things go on in these episodes because... Mm-hmm. Out of the blue, Kramer, he starts talking about styrofoam, mm-hmm. and he starts imitating Jerry. And he says, why do you need all this stuff? And why do they make, why do they make them so small? And Jerry says, where's the punchline? And Kramer has this like stupid, like stern, like look on his face. Right. He says, it's all in the attitude. So right. I found that funny. Um, so George comes over, he opens Sally's gift. And it, it's it's a um, this isn't a trivia question, but do you remember what the gift was? No, I don't. Uh, it was a doormat. Interesting. That says the Costanzas uh-huh. on it. Oh, George George tells Jerry that she she's an executive with Federal Express. Mm-hmm. Jerry says, "Is she out of her mind? Why don't she just ship it?" <laughs> Sally is works for Federal Express and has Jerry deliver this. 
gift yeah, on right. the plane mm-hmm. and everything. Right. We we aren't even at the the doll yet. Mm-hmm. We find out that um, George's father, Frank, mm-hmm. he's converting George's. Th- I find this episode. This is like probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. I have to say, even though I like I said I didn't number these. I kind of numbered them, but I but this has got to be one of my favorites because there's there's a lot of different things going on in here, but they're all freaking hilarious. Right. Frank converts George's room to a pool room. <laughs> and there's barely enough ta- uh, room for the table. Right. So the scene where they're playing pool, the Kramer's knocking the shades, the blinds off the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just knocking things off the walls. Or, um... And then I, I noticed there's a sign on the wall that says, Rule of the house. Keep your butt and butts off the table. Mm-hmm. So then we... Then we find this is where we get to the doll. It's mm-hmm. George's fiance um, is moving in with George, and she brings her doll collection. Oh, but one looks like George's mother, <laughs> exactly like his mother. <laughs> and we see George George laying in bed with his girlfriend uh-huh. with the doll. Yeah, and uh, George says, uh, "I can't do this. I feel like I'm in bed with my mother." And he like puts a pillow over her head. <laughs> right. Um, so Kramer and Frank they go visit the maestro. So mm-hmm. the maestro has a part in this because the maestro is from Tuscany. Mister mm-hmm. uh, Frank Costanza is told. I think he's told by Elaine because she was there too, and she has a photo of this guy that looks like Frank. Right. And it he's standing in front of a place that says Costanzas. Mm-hmm. So he. Frank thinks it's his, um, I think it's his cousin who mm-hmm. thinks it is. So this is where Frank and Kramer go visit the maestro uh, to talk to him more about this guy. And they also find out he has a weird habit. It's, so his pants won't crease. He takes mm-hmm. his pants off and hangs them over a chair. Yeah. So this comes into play with when, uh, jo- when um, Frank and uh, Kramer back playing pool. Mm-hmm. They don't have their pants on. Okay. <laughs> and George's mother comes in and um, Frank is trying to make a shot and Kramer is hovering over him, like helping him. Yeah. And they both are wearing their boxers. <laughs> right. And it's very upsetting. I think she looks at him and I don't know if she says what, you know, what's going on yeah, in there. Yeah. She's confused. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> and then the the maestro's there, and the Kramer's Kramer starts shooting pool with the um his uh baton, mm-hmm. right? So that comes into effect at the end where he's conducting an orchestra, and the the baton is bent, you know, because <laughs> Kramer was playing pool with it. <laughs> and then the pants thing comes in. Jerry's uh getting ready to go on the show. He's mm-hmm. backstage, right? And he has his pants hanging over the chair. Well, the other tenor is sitting there eating spaghetti, and he turns around and wipes his hands on Jerry's pants. So it's pretty funny. And then we end up with um, Elaine. Elaine has to get through the city, all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. with this um, with this poster. She does get it signed, mm-hmm. and he he signs his name she can't hardly read it so right. she's like trying to pronounce she still doesn't know what his still name still trying is. to figure out the name right yeah, right yeah and then uh it ends up where frank actually goes to tuscany mm-hmm. and he meets the guy the guy says 
his name is Giuseppe. And Frank says, okay, I guess I was wrong. And that's where, and he like turns around and leaves. And he goes all the way to Tuscany to find this guy. Yeah. So here's your question. Okay. What does Frank call George's newly converted bedroom, pool room? There's a name he gives it. Is it A, the place around the corner? B, the room of billiards? C, the place to be? Or D, Costanza Cosmo Billiards? Oh, that's a hard one. What was B again? The room of billiards. Yeah, I'm going to go with the room of billiards. It was the place to be. The place to be. And that's mentioned when uh, Frank and Kramer are meeting with the maestro and they invite him over to the, he tries to come up with, and he's, what do we call it? The place to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, good. All right, Jim, my next one uh, starts off with Jerry and George at a tennis match. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jerry just is so distracted, he's not even watching the tennis match, and either is George, because George is Is hung- this the Bette Midler? Because what? George is hungry, uh, but Jerry can't keep his eyes off the beautiful lineswoman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no dings there for me. All right. So um, he just can't, he's just, he's got to, he's got to figure out, and he's, he, you know, he's trying to think of what he's going to say to her, and, and George says, what are you going to say to her? And he says, well, I'm going to say uh, hi. And <laughs> George is like, you think you're going to get somewhere with that? <laughs> so, so finally, uh, Jerry goes down to talk with her. Mm-hmm. The match is over. He just can't keep his eyes off the beautiful lineswoman. And it's played by uh, Mary Matlin. Okay. Mary Matlin stars in this. And uh, so my question is, because i got to start out with the trivia, otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to say it later. What were Jerry's first words to the beautiful lineswoman? Okay. Is it A, get out of here. B, what are you, deaf? C, I can't see. You're in my way. Or D, how do you handle these balls? <laughs> well, it's got to be B because she is deaf. Correct. You got it. In yeah. real life. Yeah, yeah. So he's saying all this stuff to her. Hey, I want to talk to you and stuff. And she won't give him any attention. Finally, he, she turns and looks and reads his lips and, said, mm-hmm. and he says, what are you, deaf? <laughs> and she says, bingo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, it's, uh, it, it goes on with that. And... There's other there's other sidelines with the other characters. Um, Kramer wants to be a ball boy, and of course they discuss mm-hmm. that you have to be a boy to be a ball boy. Yeah, he tries yeah. out, he gets it, <laughs> and he's a good ball man. So he's a ball man. Um, George, his girlfriend, sees him on the tel- on television eating the ice cream sundae. It's all mm-hmm. over his face, <laughs> and uh, they have discussion whether you know being a messy ice cream eater is enough to break up with you or not. And you know that's that's to be um, determined later. But she uses, "It's not you, it's me." He gets mm-hmm. so upset with her because he says, "I invented it's you, it's me. Yeah. You can't, you, it, you, you know, it's not you, it's me. You can't use that on me. I invented that." So um, that's that's a great thing. <laughs> Elaine, along with the deaf uh, linesman, uh, Elaine, is whenever she's riding in cabs, the, the, the cab drivers won't shut up. So she pretends uh-huh. to be deaf. <laughs> While she gets caught, they call her out on it. Yeah. And she gets caught in that. So, of course, uh, everyone wants to use the, the woman who can read lips. This is called mm-hmm. the lip reader, this episode. Okay. Everyone wants to use her. You know, Newman wants, you know, mm-hmm. to, to pay to use her. So they go to a party. And uh, you probably remember this. And... Um, they're trying to find out what these two people are saying, 
and something spills and the people across the room uh, talk about cleaning it up and sweeping. Will you mm-hmm. will you will you sweep with me? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so <laughs> um, they of course everything explodes uh, in comedic furor and uh, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's uh, it's insane. Got another trivia question for you. Okay. Regarding the lip reader, what did Jerry say to offend the lip reader? This is when they're in the car and they're after a date. So what did he say? A, you're beautiful. You're a beautiful linesman. Lineswoman, how about six? Because six o'clock would be good for the next day. Uh, I've heard a lot about you, or you don't say. What was the second one? It's you're a beautiful linesman. How about six? I've heard a lot about you, or you don't say. I'm going to say how about six because it sounds like sex. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he said, um, "Are we going? Am I going to see you again?" And she says, "Yeah." And she's and he says uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow's good. How about six? Six is good. <laughs> <laughs> so she leaves. <laughs> she leaves on that note. She doesn't read lips very well. Yeah, six. Yeah, yeah, six and sex yeah. are actually uh, very close in lip reading, right? Okay, so my next one is it's from season eight, episode sixteen, mm-hmm. and it has to do with um, a Phil Rizzuto keychain that George gets that mm-hmm. says. Keep saying holy cow, which was <laughs> Phil Rizzuto. And it's called The Pothole. So it starts out, Jerry um, drops his girlfriend's toothbrush in the toilet. You can see where that's going. So that, that's how the episode starts. There's mm-hmm. no monologue on this one either. Mm-hmm. Um, now, George gets a Phil Rizzuto keychain mm-hmm. that says holy cow um, that Steinbrenner gave to the employees uh, for Phil Rizzuto getting into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Kramer tells George that he was driving and he ran over a sewing machine <laughs> on the Arthur Burkhart Expressway. And Kramer brings in the sewing machine. Like, he shows it to him. Right? And Kramer sees the keychain, uh, and he says, look at that, a talking Nixon. So he, uh-huh. he thinks it looks like Richard Nixon. So the, the other story in this, well, that's, that's one. First, it's Jerry with the toothbrush, George with the keychain. And Elaine um, with the uh, Elaine trying to get Chinese food mm-hmm. from a Chinese restaurant, they won't deliver to the other side of the street. Okay, because <laughs> I don't know if it's a different, not a different town, but mm-hmm. they won't deliver. And um, and she wants this. It's called it's Supreme Flounder, and it first time served in America. That's what this restaurant boasts. Mm-hmm. She asked, is that true? And he, and he just says, what number? And he says, and then he says, yeah, first time, what else? You know, he just kind of <laughs> yeah. glazes over. Uh-huh. Um, then she tries to call, she calls back and orders in a different voice, orders food. <laughs> uh, then we see Kramer burst into the apartment and he announces he, own, he now owns a stretch of highway. And then we have George, he loses his Phil Rizzuto keychain mm-hmm. in a pothole. Elaine meets the delivery man on the street, and she pretends she lives in the apartment across the street, Mm -hmm. but she ends up having to give the food back. (laughs) So then Jerry, we see him, he's trying to sterilize, um, he buys all these products to sterilize his girlfriend's toothbrush. So I don't, um, he says, by the time I sterilize her mouth, she'll be able to eat off it. <laughs> and he eventually tells her because he gives her a new toothbrush with other dental hygiene products. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think Jerry's dreaming. Um, his girlfriend goes to kiss him. I don't know. He's having visions of mm-hmm. the uh, the toothbrush falling in the toilet. Right. Can't kiss his girlfriend. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Elaine and uh, Jerry are in the car, and they drive by Kramer. He's on the side of the road picking up garbage. <laughs> And Kramer goes, hey, Jerry, see you back at the house. And, uh, <laughs> so they drive down. His, he's, he owns a stretch of highway now, so he's got to take care of it. Right? Okay, yeah. So uh, then Elaine tries to get someone from the building across the street to have uh, food delivered to him from the Chinese restaurant, and he slams the door in her face. Mm-hmm. And while she's in there, she notices a janitor's closet. So this is her ploy is to have the food delivered to the janitor's closet. Now we see Kramer. He's at Jerry's apartment. Mm -hmm. And this is one thing that comes up uh, in our past is someone we knew would uh, collect road signs. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So Kramer, he's he's not taking the road signs. You know, he's not uh, collecting them, Mm -hmm. but he's cleaning them for a stretch of the highway. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to keep his section of the road spotless. he says, my, my mile is spotless. I mean, the big stuff was easy. Cinder blocks, air conditioners, shopping carts. <laughs> he says, Whoop. that's what he goes, Whoop. I yeah. just roll them into the woods. <laughs> Jerry says, yeah, that stuff's all natural anyway. <laughs> and uh, George walks in. He's, he can't find it. He's frustrated. He can't find his keychain. And Kramer, um, because he now knows some construction crew people, mm-hmm. he offers their services to, uh, oh, they, this is the thing. He dropped it into the pothole, and the pothole was filled. So now Phil Rizzuto's down in the pothole. <laughs> and eventually you yeah. see George. He's got a jackhammer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And Phil Rizzuto, he, he actually busts the water line. <laughs> and um, there's a lot going on in here. And uh, the, he busts the water. And by the end of the episode, the, um, the, the toilet in Jerry's apartment, his girlfriend's in there. She hears a noise. She goes into the bathroom, and the toilet just, like explodes and she's soaking mm-hmm. wet yeah and jerry says something like you know i'm done or something like that <laughs> um yeah. but the funny thing is uh kramer decides he's going to make the four lane road two lanes he's he buys black paint and he's in his car and he's hanging out the car and he's painting the lanes and then he i think there's so many problems there's like some news story about cars backed up or yeah. you know he decides he's going to clean the, I guess, the paint off the road. And he's got this huge drum of, of paint thinner. Well, of course, he's taking it out of his car and he, he, the lid pops off, goes all over the road. Mm-hmm. Newman, who's now, Newman, uh, he's delivering fish for this Chinese place, I guess, uh-huh. in his mail truck. Yeah. So Newman's in his um, mail truck and he's mm-hmm. singing three times a lady. I don't know <laughs> if that's what it's called. Yeah. Once, Once twice. twice. And... Newman runs over a sewing machine, right? And it's underneath his truck. And I still laugh at it. And it's sparking and yeah, everything. Yeah. And he he gets to the section. We don't see Kramer, but uh, he gets to the section where where the, all the paint thinner spilled. Right. And the truck just goes up, like, is engulfed. The front of the truck is engulfed in flames. <laughs> and Newman says, oh, the humanity. You know? Right, because the sparks from the... Sewing machine underneath the vehicle would would ignite the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we do see Kramer. Mm-hmm. He's he's by his car, and and Newman is walking. He's like you know burnt. He's like he's not disfigured, mm-hmm. but he looks like his clothes are burnt. 
And uh, Kramer says, hey, buddy, what are you doing down here? What are you doing out here? Did you see the fireball? <laughs> <laughs> and Newman's walking like a zombie, and we hear police sirens. And Kramer says he has to skedaddle, and he offers Newman a ride. But Newman keeps walking, and then we hear a scream mm-hmm. so, at the yeah. end of that. So here's your uh, trivia. Okay. Um, Oh no! Wait a minute. I already answered this question. So. Yeah, yeah. It's that's sometimes. What item around. of Jerry's did his girlfriend put in the toilet? Yeah. Okay. So we already got that one. All right. I should have noted that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Next one I have for you starts out with in Tom's diner. We got uh, George and Jerry. It's a typical scene, right? Mm-hmm. George is just complaining and complaining about life. It's really like the way the opposite started. And uh, Jerry says, uh, well, you've only got another 50 years. <laughs> can't say it. It's so funny. Well, you've only got another 50 years, then it'll all be over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Elaine comes in and talks about her volunteering at the old folks' home. So this is called The Old Man. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I have notes on that one. Yeah, yeah. It's good. So um, they all, of course, because it's a Seinfeld, they all decide to go ahead and get a client. They all get someone elderly to, to visit. Mm-hmm. We have. Uh, let me see. I'm going to start out with uh, your trivia. Okay. Because um, it doesn't go so well with George. George actually, in this episode, is, it's short because he doesn't hit it off with his man. So how does George help his elderly client? A, gives poor advice for success. B, offers to buy him lunch. C, tells him he's going to die soon. Or D, offers to bathe him. D. Offers to bathe him. <laughs> Um, no, actually, he goes on and on about how old the man is and about how he doesn't have much time left. Oh, okay. um, George ends with saying, you know, you're really pushing the envelope here. <laughs> <laughs> the, guy, the guy has more positive thinking and more life in him than George. <laughs> and he uh, he just uh, leaves. In fact, he says, quote, life's too short to waste on you. <laughs> and he walks out <laughs> of George. Nice. This is also the episode with uh, Kramer and Newman collecting LPs. You probably yes. remember that. Yeah, you love. Yeah, you know this one well. Well, I noticed some uh, mm-hmm. episodes with music, so I do yeah. have some notes on that. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, they they're collecting LPs. They go to Jerry and they try to get this junk off his hands, right? Mm-hmm. And what do they do? They go and what does the guy say about Jerry's stuff? It's junk. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, yeah. He, he wants to give him $5 or 20 $5 for like all of it. So, so of course, Newman and, and Kramer come back to Jerry's apartment and just tear into him about, what are you listening to? What is this crap? You yeah. Know? So. And it's Bleaker Bobs. Yeah, it is Bleaker Bobs. And we were there once. Yeah. back. And in the, the guy that's playing the uh, record store owner, his name's Tobin Bell. Okay. And he's most famous for the Saul movies. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. remember the the, the story. He's in a horror movies. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to tell me it was Blinker Bob. No, that'd yeah. be interesting. Yeah, Jerry's man is really rude. It's, I don't know who it's played by. Great, a great mm-hmm. old man who is Jerry's old man. Uh, very rude, and he has the uh, the caretaker caregiver there in the home. Mm-hmm. That old man, who's from some African country, it might be Ghana. Okay. And she speaks no English. George yeah. George comes on to her. He just mm-hmm. he just wants to. Of course, rub his head with oil and yeah. rub it all over her body, you know. And they almost get a chance to do that. They're later interrupted for that. But Jerry's old man has an LP collection he yes. wants to get rid of. Yes. So they're all in there. There's five or six of them in there. It's chaos and, you know, all chaos ensues, including the old mm-hmm. man's dentures being thrown down the sink yeah. and George 
gets them in the garbage disposal, <laughs> chops them up. So then you have you have lawyers involved and the social worker from the place. Uh, it's quite chaotic. So Elaine, and she has a woman that she relates to. And, of course, she's unusual because she has a giant goiter the size of a oh, football yeah. on her yes. neck. Yeah. So, of course, Elaine can't look at her. But Elaine, um, Elaine does take interest when she finds out something special about her old lady. Okay. And that's your uh, another trivia question, which I think you can get because you know this episode well. And who did Elaine's old lady have an affair with? Was it A, George Steinbeck, B, Mohandas Gandhi, or C, Lyndon B. Johnson? Gandhi. Gandhi, yeah, yes. right. So you've got that one. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, this is all of them trying to volunteer and different things, of course, happening with them. Anything else from this episode, Jim, you can think of? Yeah, I, I found it funny about the Sergio Mendez comments when they go to turn in the albums. Oh, right, right. And uh, they say Sergio Mendes has a cult following, and Newman says they follow him like a cult. I don't know. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, when they, when they go, I think when they say, what kind of stuff are you listening to? Right. And then uh, Sergio Mendes comes up again, and Kramer says that guy can't even go to the bathroom in South America. <laughs> Can you imagine? It can't even go to the bathroom in South America. Not like continent. Not like when you're out and about. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. all of South America, he just can't go to the bathroom. He's so famous, right? You know, and and he's still alive. He's seventy nine. He had the song uh, "Never Gonna Let You Go" in the eighties. That was eighties hit. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Uh, so what do you got next? Next is season three, episode six, "The Parking Garage." Good, good. Which we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Think they're coming out of a mall. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, I can um, see that. Mm-hmm. But Kramer, he, he bought an air conditioner. <laughs> right, of course. Like and the it, most, yeah. the, the big, the, the smallest thing you can get at and the a hev- mall, heaviest. but the heaviest thing you, you yeah. can get. And uh, again, this one is, uh, there was no studio audience. And you also don't see Jerry's apartment. Uh, right. There's only a couple episodes where probably a Chinese restaurant, you might not see mm-hmm. Jerry's apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the whole premise is they can't find their car. And I, yeah. I actually worry about this. You know, if I'm in a, in a huge, uh, like if I'm at a concert, uh, you, you make sure you know right. where you park. Or if you're with a couple of people, you try and like, remember we're in yeah. 6B or, yeah, yeah. you know, right, right. or you put it in your notes in your phone. And when it, and the rare time in your life that it happens to you, it catches you off guard. Like what? Yeah. And yeah, you, and yeah. you could be embarrassed mm-hmm. just walking around because people right. know you're, you know, you can't find your car. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elaine, she bought a goldfish, which does not make it to the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jerry uh, has to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So Kramer convinces Jerry, I guess, just to go to the bathroom mm-hmm. behind a car or something. Um, and Kramer Kramer puts the air conditioner down. He puts it next to a car, right behind a car. And Jerry says, "Are you afraid someone is going to pee on it?" And George, George, he um, he has plans. Is it's his parents' anniversary, so mm-hmm. he's he's trying to get home. Oh, right, he has to be somewhere. Right, yeah, yeah I remember that now. Mm-hmm. They're walking around for a while, you know. Jerry said, "Jerry says we need a system," and uh, he says you should always bring a p- pad and a pen. Mm-hmm. And George says, "This is the funniest freaking thing. <laughs> I can't carry a pen. I'm afraid I'll puncture my scrotum." <laughs> <laughs> 
Most people carry it yeah. somewhere else. You know, behind the ear, right? In your back pocket, yeah. on a side pocket, you know, if you've got painter's pants. There's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of places you can carry a pen. <laughs> I can imagine watching this when I watched it the first time, I probably right. like couldn't stop laughing, but I forgot about that. Um, right, right. So anyway, uh Jerry ends up peeing and a security guard notices him and he's being held. I couldn't figure out he's being held but then he's released. Mm-hmm. Um I say he's arrested, but uh and he tells the cop he has no control over it. Doctors have told me that when I feel it, the best thing to do is just release it. Otherwise I could die. <laughs> <laughs> so now they're trying to find Jerry because they don't know what happened to Jerry. And I guess Jerry tries convincing the security guard that he wasn't really paying. He was just pouring water out of a bottle. Mm-hmm. And Elaine is trying to get someone to drive them around the parking garage to find the car. Mm-hmm. And then George has to go to the bathroom. And uh, George gets arrested. He tells the security guard uh, the same story mm-hmm. as Jerry. Right. Uh, so now they don't believe him. And then they, they do get a ride. And they get kicked out of the car because... Uh, they offend the woman because she's a Scientologist. Mm-hmm. Can't remember why that was. Yeah. So then uh, eventually they can't find Kramer. Uh, oh, this was the thing. There's a girl in the beginning, and uh, George didn't want to. Jerry's trying to convince George to talk to this girl, mm-hmm. and he doesn't know what, the, what to say to her. And this is the girl that drives them around. Yeah. Eventually. Uh-huh. In the beginning, Kramer, Kramer, I swear he says it. It's a man. <laughs> That's a man. <laughs> That's a, yeah. And then they they finally, of course, find the car. And I think it's around quarter to eight, mm-hmm. eight o'clock. So George, of course, is not going to take his parents out to dinner. Mm-hmm. So this is the. I kind of answered it for you, but well, how see. how does the episode end? Okay. Is it Give a? Me... <laughs> The car they think is theirs isn't really their car. B, Jerry forgot when he was in the mall that he had to buy shoes and he has to go back. Mm -hmm. C, Kramer has to pee and they can't go anywhere until he finds a place to pee. Or D, the car won't start. Going to go with Kramer having to pee. No, it's D, the car won't start. (laughs) After all that. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, uh, Jim, the next one I got here is um, starts out with a phone call. A uh, occasional friend of Jerry's is calling him on the phone. Okay. It's Crazy Joe Davola. <laughs> yeah. And it's really bizarre because he's, he's talking to him, and he's saying, Jerry, Jerry. And he's like, and he's, I, got a, I got a hair in my mouth. <laughs> and it's just, it's bizarre. Like, like, I mean, it could have been improv. He could have been like, yeah. you know, uh, instructed to be weird. I mean, it's crazy. Be, yeah. You know, it's crazy Joe Duvall. Yeah, it's got to be crazy. Yeah, but got a hair in my mouth. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, Jerry's like in some other, some other uh, people that he's done this in over the nine seasons, uh, trying to avoid somebody, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to avoid crazy Joe Duvall. And, um, and my question, I'm going to start out with the question here. If you remember Crazy Joe Devola. Yeah. What did Joe Devola threaten to put on Jerry? Was it A, a hex, B, the kibosh, C, the curse of the ninja? Is that it? Yes, yeah, it's just oh. ABC. 
the kibosh. Yes, I'm going to put the kibosh. And yeah. Let's talk all about yeah. the kibosh. You know, I didn't look it up or anything. Maybe the kibosh is it Yiddish or something? You know, that could be. Maybe it's a word for hex. Yeah, right? yeah. So I think it's uh, so. Yeah, he threatened to put the kibosh. Or do on something um, mm-hmm. to do something that will do you in mm-hmm. somehow. So uh, not as much going on with with George. And Kramer in this as much as Elaine. Mm-hmm. Elaine has her boyfriend, Joey, and he's a great guy. He's just a great guy. He's kind of chill, you mm-hmm. know, very chill, actually. Well, she went to his apartment and she found all these pictures. He has been f- photographing Elaine oh, okay. for a long time, mm-hmm. a very <laughs> long time. And it's her everywhere, maybe <laughs> including the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So she's in his apartment and she goes to leave and he, and he comes out from behind a door. He shuts the door. And uh, she has to find a way to escape. And I, I don't have it actually as another trivia question, but do you remember what she sprays? She sprays something in his face. It's a cologne or something. And okay. I, didn't, I didn't research it as much, but mm-hmm. she has to spray it on his face. And, um, and so, you know, throughout the whole time, they're, they're trying to, uh, there's, they want to go to a, uh, the opera. This is called the opera. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> And uh, out of nowhere appears a clown, uh-huh. and it's crazy <laughs> yeah, Devola yeah. as a clown. Right? Yeah. So um, not much more on this one, except that in the end, they're not even disclosing it. I think they just end it with them both discovering that, indeed, crazy Joe Devola, the hated friend, is actually Elaine's boyfriend, Joey. It's one and oh, the same. Okay. They didn't know it the whole time. They're mm-hmm. two different storylines brought together, yeah, yeah. and they they talk about Joey. Uh, Joe, he's talking about he's talking about Joe Devola and how much he doesn't like him. He's trying to get away from him, and she talks all the time about Joey. Joey's a nice guy, he's great, and everything. Mm-hmm. And at the <laughs> end, it comes together at the they're, opera, they're the same. and he's dressed like a clown, <laughs> and he's 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 wanting to be with both Jerry and Elaine, but yeah, he's crazy Joe Devola. <laughs> Okay, so this is my last, this is the last one Yeah, and I got me. one more after that, yep. So it's uh, Season 3, Episode 14, The mm-hmm. Pez Dispenser. Oh, love that one. Yes. George, he's really enamored with his new girlfriend, Noelle. She's mm-hmm. a pianist, a mm-hmm. classical pianist. She plays the piano. She played the Volstein Sonata. <laughs> we did a crossword puzzle together in bed. It was the most fun I ever had in my entire life. Jerry coming out of the bathroom. Were you talking? I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> so George is like really with the hand motion and then Jerry's in the bathroom. And, yeah. And then we got the whole thing about the hand. I have no hand, mm-hmm. right. which means I have no power. Like I, I, I don't have the hand in decisions. He right. says no hand at all. She has the hand. Jerry says, hand me that, will you? We all want the hand. Hand is tough to get. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they go off of the, the one word. Mm-hmm. Um, George invites Jerry to a uh, recital. Mm-hmm. And um, Kramer comes in and he wants Jerry to smell his arm. Now, this is also, besides the Pez dispenser, this is also where Kramer comes up with a cologne. Okay. Okay. I just well, have oh, to... that, that is the, uh, the Hudson River. The Hudson mm-hmm. River cologne? Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah, I can't remember what the name was. Is that was my trivia question? Well, that's what I'm seeing. Uh, <laughs> what right. is? Oh, maybe I don't have one for this one. Mm-hmm. Well, I yes, it's it's a cologne to smell like you just came out of the Hudson Bay. Yeah, yeah, or the Hudson River, whichever was the case. 
Actually, I don't have a trivia. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So Kramer has a um, he has a Pez dispenser. Mm-hmm. Actually, do you remember what the Pez dispenser was? Uh, Tweety, I believe. You should. Tweety. Back when uh, I got married. Yes. Ninety six. I got all my groomsmen Pez, Pez dispensers mm-hmm. because it must have been. This episode came out. Yeah, right in there. Were they all different yeah. or were they all Tweety Bird? They were all Tweety Bird. Yeah, 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 right. Jerry wants to know, Kramer said he bought five at the uh, flea market. Mm-hmm. And Jerry says uh, to George, you think they have fleas there, don't you? <laughs> and he, he comes out with, yes, you do, Biff. He calls Biff. him Biff. That's right, yeah. Biff. I wonder if that was the first Biff. I remember Biff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're at the recital and uh, Elaine is there too. And Jerry, in the middle of the recital, uh, Jerry pulls out the Pez dispenser. Hilarious. And Elaine sees it, and she can't stop laughing. Right. Because they're in a place where you have to be completely quiet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's they're why it's silent. So it's just mm-hmm. her playing the piano. Mm-hmm. And you can hear her as she's backing out of the, as she's going to the back of the theater, you can still hear her laughing. Mm-hmm. So then Elaine runs into uh, her friend John. Mm-hmm. Out, she's outside the building, and she tells John about the Pez dispenser, and he he finds out that Jerry's there. Right. So then then we Jerry sits the Pez dispenser on the seat where you know the empty seat. Yeah. And George gives him a dirty look. Mm-hmm. And they could have just burst out laughing right then too. Yeah. They, yeah. They're, I think they were silent there. So this is the other story is uh, this guy, John, his name is John Malacca. Mm-hmm. He tells Elaine about uh, their friend, Richie Appel, who is a comedian and how he's messed up on drugs. Mm-hmm. And he wants, he puts so much trust in Jerry and he respects Jerry. That he wants Jerry to lead an intervention. Mm-hmm. So then Elaine comes back in and uh, she's there with George and Jerry and she tells Jerry about the, she's trying to explain them that John wants him to do the intervention. Mm-hmm. Jerry just looks at his Pez dispenser and uh, says, these things are really hard to load. And he's <laughs> like totally ignoring her. <laughs> and then they go backstage and um, Noel is really upset about the woman laughing. Mm-hmm. But they're, right, not, right. But they're not giving it up that it was Elaine. Right, right. Jerry's a certain said, laugh, a distinct laugh. Yeah. Yes. And like Jerry says, you play a hell of a piano. That's what he says to her. <laughs> you play a mean guitar, yeah. Uh-huh. And Noel, she's so she says, "I'll never forget that laugh for the rest of my life." Mm-hmm. Um, and they're still good. They're still good, right? They haven't disclosed it yet. Yeah. yeah. So then this is this is the really weird part is that Jerry and uh, Kramer at the diner, mm-hmm. and um, Jerry reminds Kramer that he's the one that got Richie into drugs. Mm-hmm. Because they were at a comedy softball game, and Kramer convinced Richie to dump a bucket of Gatorade on Marty Benson's head. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Marty, he owned a comedy club, and nobody liked him, they said. Marty gets pneumonia, and a month later, he died. So Jerry says, Richie was never the same. And Elaine says, what about Kramer? And Jerry says, he's the same. <laughs> <laughs> so they, um, the whole it goes into the you know the whole beach thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kramer he's trying to pitch it to this guy at Calvin Klein. Uh, oh, the beach. Okay, there yeah. you go. That's the name of it. Yeah, yeah, the beach. The beach. All right. So George, George um, then tries to break up with his girlfriend, and mm-hmm. they don't break up. So he he now has the hand, you know. Mm-hmm. 
And he says something weird like, well, didn't mean to hurt you, kid. Like he calls her kid. <laughs> yeah. So then um, the intervention, uh, there's this weird guy talking to Elaine, telling, mm -hmm. her, telling her about his nosebleeds. Mm -hmm. And he's, he always has, he has tissue stuffed up his nose. <laughs> and then there, there's a guy that gets mad at Jerry, really mad. There's just some weird thing. Mm -hmm. They gather all these people for this intervention. Mm -hmm. So there's some of these characters you haven't seen before. I don't even know if they have names. But I, this guy gets I remember so, the intervention part. Yes, yeah. yes. But the guy is yelling at Jerry because he doesn't have ice cubes. And he says, I can't drink this. It's warm and slams the, the can on the table. Um, and then Kramer walks in and says, hey, is this the interference? <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, this other guy, I think it's the guy that works at Calvin Klein. He doesn't want Kramer there. He says he can't stay. Kramer brings, oh, Kramer is also, because he smells like the beach is because he's been swimming with the polar bears, which is that group the of polar people. bear club. Yeah. yeah. He's swimming in the, yeah. swimming in the wintertime in the Hudson Bay. Yeah. yeah. So he brings these guys with him. So they're there, these old guys. Mm -hmm. And then the doorbell rings, people start to hide and Jerry reminds people it's not a surprise party. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, George and Noel show up, mm -hmm. and Elaine starts laughing um, mm -hmm. at something one of Kramer's polar bear buddies says right. to Elaine. So Noel tells George she's breaking up with him, mm -hmm. and he's like, "What? What did I do? Where are you going?" And Noel's walking out the door, and this is the best line. She says, "I'm breaking up with you," and points at him. And George says, you can't break up with me. I've got hand. <laughs> and Noel says, you're going to need it. <laughs> I get it. And George goes running after. Uh, you're going to need it. And then um, Richie shows up, looks around. This is what's weird. Richie shows up and says, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And they don't go into the whole intervention. Yeah. Jerry tells George about the intervention, how Richie spots the Pez dispenser on the coffee table. Mm-hmm. And how he's hypnotized by it. I guess the punchline is that he's not on drugs anymore, but he's um, addicted to Pez. <laughs> now he's going into a different yeah. addiction. Yeah. Oh, this was the other side story. Uh, mm -hmm. Richie said, tells Jerry something he didn't know is that Richie's father, when he was a kid, was loading a Pez dispenser and loses control of his car and crashes into a high school cafeteria. Nobody is hurt, but Pez is all over the car, and the dispenser was destroyed be beyond recognition. <laughs> so Richie, so this is the whole that Richie starts crying, and Jerry gives him the Pez dispenser. Mm -hmm. um, two hours later, he does check into a clinic. He's doing great on rehab, but he's hooked on Pez. So that's the, yeah. the punchline. There. Hooked on Pez. Yeah. So there, I don't have any trivia yep. for that one. All right, Jim, we got one more from me. And it's appropriately named The Seven. <laughs> starts out with, uh, you, you should remember, it starts out with Jerry and Elaine shopping in a toy store. It's kind of an antique store. It's got toys in it. And uh, Elaine gets the 20-inch bike with the banana seat, you know, mm -hmm. the pink bike, which comes up later here. And Jerry is meets the girl in the dress. The dress okay. that does not come off. Yeah. Um, but then we go to um, the scene with George, and George is there with his girlfriend and another couple who are expecting a child. So they're talking about names. Mm -hmm. Talking about names. 
and uh, I've already given you the title. He, you know, the seven is the George, yeah. is the name George uh, plans on uh, naming his first child. And of course, his fiance, it's probably Susan, uh, doesn't agree. She does not like seven. Yeah. Yeah. It's Mickey Mantle's number. Yes. How can it be a bad name, right? I thought that was going to be the trivia. No. <laughs> so trivia question, while they're there talking, the four of them and uh, the, the pregnant parents-to-be and George and his girlfriend, what is the first name that George suggests as a baby name to his friends? I think I know when, yeah. when I hear it. Yeah, you know when you hear it. So is it A, Mug, B, Betty, C, Soda, or D, John? Hmm. Mug, Betty, Soda, John. I'm going to say Soda. <laughs> you got it. You got it. So, uh, Soda. Yeah. You know, Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld must have said, what is the most, like, the worst possible thing you could name a child? And like, yeah, there's got to be names that nobody's yeah. ever... Right. Yeah. So, Soda was the name there. Um, yeah, I already said that, uh, you know, uh, the, the dinner, the, they're having dinner there. Um, Susan yells in the car, no child of mine is ever going to be named Seven. And so they go on with that. Um, meanwhile, uh, Kramer, side story, Kramer is keeping a running tab of all the food he's taken from Jerry. When he comes in, he has to mm -hmm. write it down and put <laughs> it in the, in the fishbowl, put it uh -huh. in the jar, you know. And then later, uh, it comes out that uh, you actually have to pay for the entire thing. You can't take a bite of an apple and put, <laughs> <laughs> put a piece of paper in there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also a half can of soda. Yeah. So um, Elaine falls and uh the bike fell on her in the store and kramer fixes her neck but he doesn't really fix it she promises him to uh give him the bike if he fixes her neck well he fixed it but then it went bad again mm -hmm. so there's this problem between elaine and kramer about who actually has the bike and who's going to get the bike so they need a mediator they need someone who's neutral who's fair mm -hmm. newman <laughs> so newman is the judge so newman plays this up really well he's being the judge and he uses what's called the Solomon method. And this is, goes back to the Old Testament of the Bible. So mm -hmm. they just go to a full representation of Solomon making this decision in the Bible. So it's, it's pulled right out of the Old Testament. And uh, what happens is the judgment uh, is, he says, Newman says, only the bike's true owner would rather see it given away then it come to harm. His his verdict was to cut the bike in half. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, Solomon, the king in the Bible, uh, has to judge between these two women, and they both say the baby is theirs. And mm -hmm. he says, cut it in half. <laughs> and so the one who's not the true mother says, go ahead and cut it in half. Yeah. And the yeah. one who is the true mother says, okay, let her take the baby and yeah. let it live. And yeah. so that whole thing is played out yeah. with the bicycle yeah. and Kramer rides off into <laughs> it. The, the final story, though, in this episode is, of course, the woman in the black and white dress. Mm -hmm. Jerry's out with her. She even spills wine on it and has to go home and change. She's doing everything to get this woman to change. But finally, <laughs> she's in her bathrobe at home and kicks him out the door. He never sees her mm -hmm. change. He's seen yeah. photographs of her from... 10 or 12 years earlier she's wearing the same black oh, and white wow. dress yeah so so this goes into a discussion ultimately the best discussion and it is what what if she has only black and white dresses mm -hmm. if so 
Is it appropriate to? Yeah, is it is it appropriate to wash and keep washing? If if not, if she doesn't have a big uh, array of black and white dresses, how quickly do you take a piece so of maybe clothing? Maybe she has ten of the same right, dress. Right. But the ultimate question is, um, when is a clean piece of clothing allowed to come back into the rotation? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. like what if you've worn your blue shirt and then you wash it the next day, and then the next day you go and wear it again? People are yeah. going to see you two days later in that same shirt. Oh, so, I am. Yeah. So when, you know, when does it come back into rotation? I never wear the same shirt in the same week. Yeah. I'm, so I'm there really... So we all have our limits. You have it as a week. Yeah. So, Jim, out of the four characters, the four main characters, who do you relate to the most? Who can you see would be like you in personality? I don't know if you ever thought about that or not. I was thinking, um, I'm not really neurotic, so I'm not, you know, like George. Yeah, right. I was thinking more Jerry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm I'm a pretty clean person, but I'm not overly. Mm-hmm. Um, I love cereal. <laughs> I, right. I'm pretty sensible. I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Uh, clear thinker, maybe like like Jerry. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not crazy like Kramer. Um, right. And I'm not sure how we categorize Elaine. I'd yeah. say Jerry. Yeah, yeah. And I would, uh, Jim. I would see you as Jerry. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, I thought about it a little bit last night, and I was thinking, you know, you can't really be as neurotic, as you say, as George and as crazy as Kramer. So I think I'm a little bit personality like Elaine. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of like Elaine, you know, and and the way she sees things and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, speaks her mind, but but then sometimes not. But, uh, yeah, so I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I see you as Jerry. So um, to end this real quickly, and I don't know if this... I'm trying to figure this out because... I found out Jerry dated 38 different women over the 180 episodes. Wow. But the it says the ninth season of the DVD series states that Jerry had 73 different partners. So I guess some people he didn't really date. Mm-hmm. But 73 different women. So think about it. There's like, unless some of them were, um, he was a partner more than once, mm-hmm. but figure at least 38 different actresses. It's a lot. To yeah. play. And of course, it's an effort, you know, as we talked about at the beginning of this uh, segment, to not have anything long standing or long running, you know, nothing sentimental, yeah. no relationship building, yeah. really. So maybe on a, another podcast or next year, we'll talk a little bit more about Seinfeld and mm-hmm. maybe get into the music, more of the music. Uh, right. There are episodes that centered on music. We did talk about one today, the, the old man. All right, Jim, so uh, our last segment here. Top 10 singles, uh, week ending July 18th, 1970. And Mike, I think you can uh, start off. I'm going to jump right in this. Uh, Number 10, we have Make It With You by Bread. And uh, I'm just, I'm just got a little, this is the only one I got a little story to go with here. I'm I'm remembering uh, mid-80s, my friend Ron, you met him, you met Ron. He had a little uh, 1972 BMW, a little Beamer. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever we were traveling, he had a cassette in there, and it was The Best of Bread. I have that album. I just saw it wow. the other day. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I love... And I I love these 70s sappy love songs. I don't know. There's something about it. Maybe, you know, when I was a kid, I just heard that a lot. Right. Radio. Right. Yeah, I'd like to make it with you. Yeah. can't imagine what that, that's about, but, <laughs> which it probably is. All right, so number nine, we got... Give me that, give me that, give me that. Give me that, give me that, give me that, baby. Give me that, give me that, give me that. Give me that, Sing it one more time, mama. Give me that, give me that. It's a song called Give Me That Dang by the, the Pipkins. 
And uh, yeah, it's it's really sounds like a Wolfman Jack starting off with a little rap and then getting into some ragtime, some ragtime piano. It, it's background. a really bad song. Yeah. It's wonderfully musically, actually, the ragtime piano in the back. Yeah. yeah. But well, yeah, uh, it's a juxtaposition. In my notes here, I uh, <laughs> uh, that the uh, piano solo is about the uh, yeah best thing about it. Yeah. Now, do you know it was originally a children's song? Did not know that. Yeah. It's not really about sharing, then, is it? Give me that ding. <laughs> it's about well, it's about a sound or something they found in the studio. Uh-huh. The interesting that Albert Hammond was one of the writers, and he wrote. It Never Rains in Southern California, yeah, yeah, which is a great song. Right, right. This sounds yeah. like it could have been a little uh, a little joke or side project, you know, putting this song together. Yeah. Give it that, give it that, give it that, dig. Yeah. And the, the song was <laughs> banned in Italy because wow. they thought it was vulgar. Yeah. They, yeah. they interpreted it as something else. But. Well, it depends, you know, your interpretation of the word ding. Or what you want uh, the person to give you. Yeah. Yeah. Number eight, we've got... Ooh Child. Ooh by, Child. Yeah, and it's by the Five Stair Steps. Very unusual. Um, but, yeah, um, yeah it's uh, Ooh Child, Things Are Gonna Get Easier, and Ooh Child, Things Are Gonna Get Brighter. Very, um, very positive song, and mm-hmm. uh, when you're down, it's it's actually something, one of the many songs you can take from 50 years ago, you know, bring to well, today. Yeah, I think it uh, applies today, mm-hmm. you know, with um, the outlook that things are going to get easier, mm-hmm. you know, with everything that's going on. Right. But it's, maybe there'll be a... Mm-hmm. Light at the end of the tunnel after this. Number seven. Seven. Good number. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, Lay Down, Candles in the Rain by Melanie Safka with the Edwin Hawkins Singers. And it says, lay down, lay down, lay it on down. Mm -hmm. And then the words are really kind of bizarre. It's it's, let your white birds smile up (laughs) at the ones who stand and frown. And I've pondered it a while and I still actually didn't come up with anything. Now, do you know who Melanie is? No, no, who is Melanie? She had a huge hit with Brand New Key. I've got a brand new pair of roller skates. Yeah. That was Melanie. Did not know that. She is known for that song. She looked like like 20 couple there in 1970. Yeah. I watched a video for this song, and Mm -hmm. it's like a slow, trippy, I thought it had a gospel chorus Uh almost sounding. Yeah. Yeah. Not my cup of tea, but... Yeah. But I I do... I. I actually know all these songs, or almost mm-hmm. all, but except for "Give me that, give me that, <laughs> give me that day." You know, that, that was a bit. Well, I think that song. I, it reminds me of like something that would be on the Muppet Show with Muppets singing. <laughs> give me that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, coming in number six, uh, then is "Ride Captain Ride." It's got a lot of airplay for years uh, by Blues Image, and uh, "Ride Captain Ride" uh, on your mystery ship. Yeah, right? yeah, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. So uh, that that song was played not just for the, that's you know, a nice pleasant song yeah. yeah it's all right you know yeah so that's uh, that's ten through six here on uh, top ten American singles okay and number five was Ball of Confusion mm-hmm. uh, that's what the world is today by the Temptations another one that applies from fifty years ago to today yeah now this mm-hmm. um, I I've heard this song but I didn't really know it was the Temptations because when you think of the Temptations. You think a more soulful, more... Right, uh, right. Now, David Ruffin was the lead singer on um, My Girl mm-hmm. and Ain't Too Proud to Bag. Yeah. He was replaced by Dennis Edwards, who is the singer of this song. So that's why it's a little bit more rocking. And, uh, and, and I listened to it as well. And I might have heard of it a, a once or twice, but I didn't know this version really well. 
uh, because um, I know another version, Love and Rockets from 1986. Yeah. But but if you look at the the lyrics, it's they're very very much uh, more than any of these more pertinent today. Uh, yes. This world in confusion. Yeah, there's a lot of covers a lot of everyday mm-hmm. problems. This was the same writer of Ain't Too Proud the Bag. And mm-hmm. I heard it through the grapevine. Wow. The same guy wrote yeah, this song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I found interesting that there was an 11 minute backing track recorded by the Funk Brothers that mm-hmm. they used. They used this backing track for the music, and they only used the songs like four minutes and six uh, mm-hmm. seconds. But it was an 11 minute backing track they're just singing to. So they, the Temptations obviously didn't play their play instruments. So. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're going to number four here, and it's Band of Gold by Frida Payne. Yeah. Know the song well. Mm -hmm. Now this is, um, she has an okay voice. I don't, I think even at the time it wasn't anything. uh, Right, right. I'm not familiar with Mm -hmm. anything else she sang, but a pretty straightforward song. And Mm -hmm. uh, I immediately, um, I know this song, but I I just listened to it today again. And I immediately thought of the uh, Supremes, Diana Mm -hmm. Ross and the Supremes. And it was produced by the people that did Stop in the Name of Love. Yeah, I can so hear that. it has that, that yeah. feel to it. It's kind of a dark song. It's uh, One of the quotes is, I wait in the darkness of my lonely room. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, her <laughs> band of gold is, the ring is all that she's got left from the relationship. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe she um, accidentally killed her husband. Oh, you know. Could be. Yeah. So, uh, okay, we're at number three. They long to be close to you by the Carpenters and... I think everyone knows yeah. this song. Yeah. And I loved this song as a kid. I, mm-hmm. You know, in the 70s, uh, heard this song many, many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song was written by Burt Bacharach. Yeah, right. Uh, he also wrote What the World Needs Now. So mm-hmm. as a kid, I couldn't figure out why, why these birds suddenly appeared. That, that <laughs> lyric was like, whenever you are here. Right, right. <laughs> Like this guy shows up and he's got he's surrounded by birds. Yeah, it's just maybe it's kind of a yeah, allusion to angels or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But this for me, this is you know one of these sweet, very soft, sweet feeling love songs of the seventies. You know, yeah. Y- even if you oh, didn't yeah. know what it was talking about, you know, uh, when it's we a were feel good. Yeah, feel good when we were that age. It's just so soft and sweet. Yeah, typical of the seventies. And number two, we have the love you save. By mm-hmm. the Jackson Five. Mm-hmm. Now, this song was written by um, a team of people. There were, I think, four of them, and they called themselves the Corporation. Yeah, which included Barry Gordy, who was the founder of Motown Records. Uh, this is the fourth number one song in a row from the album ABC. Okay. They also, I read that they knocked off the Beatles uh, a couple of their songs. So, wow. But I, lo- I love this song. Towards the end of the song, the alternating vocals um, mm-hmm. between it's Jermaine and Michael. Yeah. And Michael was between 11 and 12 years old. I was going to say that. His yeah. voice is so mm-hmm. sweet and you hear yeah. such potential oh, yeah. in, in Michael's voice. I didn't know how old. I would have guessed 11 or 12 or 13 at the time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 11 or 12. They recorded this, uh, the album... 6970 it came mm-hmm. out in march uh, mm-hmm. i think of 1970 right interesting song he's uh, telling the girl that he loves to slow down with the other guys and he yeah. mentions them in the song it's like yeah. he mentions like andrew or david and yeah. like oh yeah and when you're with him you know mm-hmm. so it's kind of a odd concept uh, you know yeah. slow down with them guys i love it though uh musically i hadn't heard the song in like two decades yeah and i listened to it and it just 
it, it's good. It's, it's, it's a great it's, song. It's one of the the good Jackson Five songs. Yeah, it's a yeah one of those feel good, another feel good mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. Number one, a surprise. Mama told me not to come by Three Dog, Dog Night. Night. Now Three Dog Night had uh, three singers, of course. They all sang various songs, but uh, this song is sung by Corey Wells. Most of their hits were sung by Chuck Negron. Now, this is what I gather. It's about a party, mm-hmm. and perhaps the first party this guy ever went to. I'm yeah. not sure, because he, he's a little shocked at what's going on. Maybe one of the biggest parties, if not the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of stuff happening. Yeah, yeah. And uh, someone's smoking a cigarette, but uh, we, can, we may be able to take cigarette for marijuana. Mm-hmm. He says, open up the window, sucker, let me breathe. <laughs> now, th- this is an interesting song because he's kind of scatting the lyrics. Yeah. He, he's kind of, he's not really singing the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a, not like Wolfman Jack, but a little, you know. Give me that, give me yeah. that. Not exactly. So the, the piano in this is, I looked it up because it's a little um, odd sounding. It's mm-hmm. not like a regular piano. Right, it's right. a Wurlitzer electric piano mm-hmm. that um, Jimmy Greenspoon is playing. This was also the number one song on the first Casey Kasem America's Top 40. Did not know that. July 4th, 1970 was the first America's Top 40. Wow. This was written by Randy Newman, who wrote... So many songs. The great song, Short People. (laughs) The not-so-great song, Short People. And then he went on to write... He wrote many... This guy, he's probably written a thousand songs. He also wrote... uh, Song which is very familiar and from Toy Story, You've Got a Friend in Me. Yeah. He wrote that great Mm -hmm. song. Right. And he wrote this about the 60s music scene, basically. So Mm. so there you go. There's your top 10 for July 18th, 1970. Okay, everyone, that about does it for today's show. It's been a good time. Uh, Thanks for listening. Today's show is produced and edited by Jim Thatcher and Mike Rush. You can find Jim and Mike Talk on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and their host site, Podbean. Intro and exit music by the band 99%. The song Timothy was used today with permission by Bill Kelly.